Hello and welcome to Buena Vista, episode 169. I am Ben, and I am here inside the presidential suite at the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. <laughs> here with me in the suite, using one hand to feed Trump a nutrient slurry made of illegal super drugs, Flintstones vitamins, and blended double quarter pounder, while using the other hand to gently jack the president off, it's Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Shh, keep it down. <laughs> <laughs> Please be respectful of the president during this time. Also, this is a... Really small penis. I got to concentrate. <laughs> I'm imagining this as sort of like an ambient jacking off. Like you're not trying to get him to climax. You're just sort of keeping it going for a while, just to it's keep meant, it meant peaceful. Meant to be pleasant. Yeah. Meant to be pleasant. Like when a dog, like when a dog falls asleep with its head on your lap, and you, and just... you jack him off. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's asleep now. Now go for it. While his guard's down. <laughs> Jesus. You made the joke. Don't I didn't know where else now. you were going with that comment. That was the Why? only place that could have possibly been leading. Goodness. I meant when you're just kind of stroking a dog's head. You just It's just oh. relaxing. Like right. the jacking oh. off I'm giving to the president right now. Oh, okay. But it's relaxing gotcha. for who? Like you're being relaxed by slowly jacking off oh, the president. It's relaxing for me. He is completely sedated. <laughs> the president is out cold. <laughs> oh. Uh, walking out of the presidential suite, riding on a chart, trying to remember whether the doctor had said grams or milligrams before shrugging and taking a punt on it, it's Lucy. Hey, Lucy. I, re- I reckon he said grams. It's I mean, I'm pretty grams. sure it was grams, right? Yeah, just assume the higher amount. That seems yeah, safer, that right? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, let's go could, for it. Could have been kilograms. Pump this shit in. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't confuse me. <laughs> Two kilograms of morphine. <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> Oh. And uh, deep in the catacombs beneath the hospital, using a chainsaw to sever all the power cables in the plant room, diehard style, it's the editor of Business Insider Australia, James Hennessy. Hi, James. Great to be here. Thank you so much. What are you doing down there? That doesn't seem like a good idea. Well, I live down there, buddy. <laughs> sure. all, all, the commo- all, all the commotion is waking me up. All that up, um, all you're hearing is all people... Up, yeah. Murmuring concernedly about the president coming in through. <laughs> exactly all right. I've, I have misophonia, whatever, whatever you call that thing, where you can't, t- can't stand people whispering. <laughs> you can hear the president chewing, and it's just absolutely ruining your day. <laughs> it drives me bad. All the helicopters. All the helicopters landing and taking off is upsetting his rats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A community of rats down can here. Can anyone own rats? You know. Well, well, if you if you have a rat in the, a little. Cage on your desk. Do you, do you own that rat? Do you reckon? <laughs> I think you're just punishing a rat that owns itself. <laughs> okay, sure. I mean, no, right. I, I don't want to offend the lovely uh, rat owners of this podcast. I'm sure there are some out there. Maybe I don't sure. know. Right in are, if you have a pet rat and tell rats. me why you like that. Send us a picture of your rats. I would like very to look cute. at them. I'm more interested in in what Ben thinks the internal life of a rat in a cage <laughs> is like. <laughs> I don't know. They probably yearn. He's living it. <laughs> well, that's upsetting, but yeah, but essentially Sorry. true. So that's Trump, true. yeah. About, so we how should about probably that President Trump. This date is the f- this episode by saying that Donald J. Trump has the novel coronavirus. Oh. Mm, Theo, who is still on a podcast funded paternity leave, said, "Please mention <laughs> that the president is absolutely dying." No, sorry, he said, "Please, please talk about how alive Trump still is <laughs> to date the episode." I feel like any time we sort of try and actually talk about current events, we're usually slightly wrong on the take. Like the, the at the start, mm. we were talking about coronavirus. Like our only sort of committed to track record part of this is us being like, 
Is it a big deal? Who knows? It's probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, we weren't technically wrong because nobody knew how big a deal it was going to be. Oh, that's true. You know? Mm. We, cannot, well, we won't hope, but it is entirely possible that the President Donald Trump will drop dead from coronavirus. You're not hoping? You don't believe in hope? Not on record. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't uh, get banned from Twitter on our own podcast, you know? That's true. It's That's weird. True. The, the whole Twitter banning people hoping that he will die seems like a weird thing to me. Like, wishing death on someone, I don't, it seems like a weird distinction to make. Like, if you said, I am going to give the president coronavirus and therefore kill him, mm. sure, maybe. If you're just saying, wow, wouldn't it be nice if he fucking died? That's not like a threat. And people do this stuff all the time. Oh, constantly. Like That's I, what Twitter's for, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Having death on various people or speculating on the death of people. My favourite well, thing I, was, that, was that quote from the, like there was that Vice article or whatever that said that, announced that Twitter was going to ban people for wishing on it. It was like, uh, Twitter will ban anyone who wishes for President Trump's death. And then it's like, Facebook will allow you to wish for a president's death as long as you don't tag him. <laughs> I love the idea of the president saying it. Just Trump looking at his phone and being like, oh, come on now. I'm going to report you. I'm going to report He has notifications turned on for everything. <laughs> I bet he does. The man loves a self-retweet. He's, uh, he's all about it. He loves the... I like uh, when, when he did his diagnosis and then he just retweeted like, you know, 600 people saying, get well soon, big boy. <laughs> like, okay. You are a strong lad. You will be fine. I did just see the footage of a big rally of his supporters all shoulder to shoulder, no mask, nose in the next person's mouth. Just shouting vibing. for Trump. Oh, the, the, um, I watched like the ABC News story about it last night and the, the footage they had used for the background while they were doing the story was incredible. It was just like a supercut of all the time people at that one Rose Garden press conference put their mouths really near each other. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, dear. Well, yeah, that was the, this is like where he, he got his personal dose of coronavirus was at the, uh, the nomination thing for Amy Coney Barrett, right? Yeah, and, but she's tested negative, right? With I her think. seven maskless children. But everyone else has got it. Chris and Christie got it? I'm just punching it? the numbers. Like, someone's going to die, right? Well, uh, we don't hope so. I mean... Is that what we meant to say? So like Hanno, the- Hanno, would you like to go on record? Mm. <laughs> Who do you hope should I, should, I, should, I, should I read off a list of the people that I hope die and <laughs> I hope survive? Or the people that I hope get, get that kind of like debilitating long-term effects while remaining alive or whatever? I haven't actually compiled that list, so if well, I had, I would, I would gladly read it. Get back to us. Sure. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's already hard to feel like Trump had like reasonable health to be long-term negatively impacted. You know, mm. he already had, I mean, he already did have that kind of aura of, um, I guess, some sort of invincibility due to lifelong ingestion of just cheeseburgers and nothing else. Cheeseburgers and Diet Coke. They make you, know? you strong. I, I feel like the trajectory of everything that's happened over the past, like, year, four years since he was elected before that means that he will come out of this, like, stronger and more virile than ever. <laughs> like, he's going to come out with, like, a perfectly bronzed, muscular bodybuilder body. <laughs> Come out looking like a Ben Garrison cartoon. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like the giant gold Homer or whatever. Just took off a little bit of like his water weight, and he was completely shredded underneath. (laughs) He's just walked out (laughs) from the hospital completely shirtless and been like coronavirus. Not a big deal. (laughs) 
Here, just here's this booming, my... deep voice that carries for kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he no longer needs to use Twitter. That you will just hear, just hear what he's saying as he shouts it out from the White House. Um, here's my actual uh, boring <laughs> prediction for this, which mm-hmm. is, I th- I think like everybody kind of has this sense at the moment of like, wow. The, the planet is trying to tell us that humans should stop doing all the things that they're doing. We are being ravaged by climate change and, and uh, strange viruses to, to make us, you know, stay at home and stop driving our cars everywhere and do climate change. And now in the most poetic justice of all, Trump himself has received a dose of this and he's going to die. And that'll be the message. That'll be the message to everybody that you actually have to take this thing seriously and listen to science. And I'm here to say... I bet that's not going to happen. No. I bet he comes out of it fine two weeks later and then he starts saying to everybody, no big deal, whatever, I'm the strong president. And it all just cruises on. And then we get oh, yeah, him again no. or we get Biden for a while. Yep. Either way, we continue with a very senile <laughs> 70-year-old man or in Biden's case, 80-year-old man uh, in the White House just kind of mumbling and being confusing. So what uh, because there's is no justice in the world, is what I'm we saying. We were wrong no to experience any joy, and this wonderful, jubilant moment that we're all having is farcical and stupid, short-sighted. Uh, no, just have fun while you can. Um, oh. Get banned from Twitter, you know? Yeah, enjoy That's it. a beautiful message. It's a net positive. <laughs> live, in, live in the moment, but don't get too excited about the future, is what I'm trying to say. Sure. <laughs> I will say that um, if, if it happens that the secret is true, uh, it might be worthwhile, everyone listening to this podcast, just to start start envisioning the worst happening, by which I mean the best. We did try it with Boris Johnson, but <sighs> unfortunately, try he's harder. <laughs> he's too oh, strong. I had a good experience with the secret uh, on Friday night. Mm-hmm. I went <laughs> with uh, <laughs> go on. <laughs> yeah, so I I was doing some manifesting at the wedding I was at on Friday night. Yeah, I bet you fucking were, pal. <laughs> Uh, there was um, there there was the food coming out for the mains, and they were doing they were doing the alternating uh-huh. they were doing the alternating dishes, and uh, one of the dishes was a, a big slab of pork belly, and the other one was like some little bits of barramundi. It was the Chad pork belly uh, versus the Virgin barramundi, and I was like, right, I announced to the table, please stop talking to me. I am working on manifesting this pork belly. <laughs> And I focused very hard. I stared at the at the door to the kitchen, um, you know, and I just focused all of my powerful psychic energy on that. Uh, they bought out a pork belly and they gave it to my wife, who was seated opposite to me. And I said, ooh. And then the waitress came out with a pork belly and she walked right over to me and she stood next to me. And then she reached across my empty space in front of me, gave it to the guy next to me. And I went, Oh, <laughs> I said to the waitress, I have been manifesting that for 15 minutes. now." <laughs> uh, and then she, she said, I'm so sorry, sir. They make us alternate. Uh, and then she bought me some fish. And then my wife said, here, you can have my pork belly. And I said, the secret works. I don't know if it does. So it works, oh, yeah. everybody. You just ask so your wife for the pork belly. You, just well, I didn't ask. It. you have it's a partner that loves you. <laughs> my wife respects well, universal justice. That. It was a real long game. Yeah, secret exactly. Thing. Exactly. That's what it's all about. I put it on my, my mental vision board and it came true and no one can take that away from me. The universe provides. That's so beautiful. It's well, was- right. How many mm-hmm. Carlton Drives had you had before this point? <laughs> uh, I'd switched to the Carlton Drives after they ran out of um, 
I was drinking the Furfies. They have Furfies. Oh, the, the Carlton Dry oh, wasn't your first choice. <laughs> they have Very Furfies surprising. at weddings now. That's, that's crazy. What a brave yeah. new world. <laughs> what a crazy world. No, then I then I went over to the Carlton Dry, which isn't my first choice because it's a low-carb beer and low-carb beers all have that kind of silvery taste, which mm. I don't care for. Yeah, it's the colloidal silver in them that keeps the, the carbohydrates down. Yeah, and if you have enough, you start to get that purple tinge that we all love. <laughs> you know? The Carlton Hue, as we know and love it. <laughs> the Carlton Hue. Oh, boy. So, what did we, uh, what did we get James on for, Ben? That's none of your fucking business. <laughs> Just, uh, Just see, who, see who he's wishing death upon and yeah. if he is using the secret to manifest anything positive in his life. Uh, are you currently using the secret to manifest anything positive in your life? Uh, I'm using this. I'm going to use this as a, a, a way to segue. Um, I'm using the secret Ooh. to manifest that Australia's large publishers will come to a, a favourable agreement with the tech giants, Google and Facebook. That's quite beautiful, actually. That's the sort of segue I dream of having on this podcast usually, but uh, never quite happens. Mm. Uh, huh. hmm. Some past segues on here. So mm. this, obviously, this is a complex issue. Um, it, it's very hard to get around. So I thought maybe we would let uh, trillion-dollar multinational Google... Um, yes explain this to us in the form of a fun video. Andrew, you reckon you could uh, hit play on that bad boy? I can, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I, I dispute the characterization as fun. Here we go, folks. There is a caption at the start. I will helpfully read it out for you. Google explains arbitration under the News Media Bargaining Code with comedian Greta Lee Jackson. Proposed laws can be confusing, so I'll use an analogy to break it down. Take a seat. So this bus we're on picks up people at their homes and drops them off at restaurants all across town. Sure, people could have walked or driven themselves, but the bus is convenient. Under a new law being drafted, the bus driver would need to pay the restaurants for delivering those customers to their doorstep. Sounds weird, huh? But that's not all. Even when she agrees to pay and starts to negotiate how much she should pay, Nothing that she brings to the table is counted as part of the negotiations. Not the fact that she's delivering customers to the restaurant, not the cost of running the bus, nothing. What's more absurd, she'll also be asked to cover some of the restaurant's costs too, like half their electricity bill. Is this a joke? No, mate. I may be a comedian, but this is no laughing matter. Google isn't against a code. We're just asking for a fair one. All right, so did everyone finish that with a clear understanding? No, there was like cogs just spinning around in my brain. Maybe I need the visual. I wonder if they could have Googled analogy before they put this together. Yeah, the visual sort of just repeats what she's talking about. She's sitting on the bus. The opening thing is like Google explains the the news media bargaining code, like everyone watching that be like, oh yeah, of course, that thing mm-hmm. that I've been following very closely. <laughs> yeah. The thing we're all talking about around the dinner table. It reminds me of like when I was, I reckon I would have been like first year uni or something and I was I was in the uni bar talking to some guy and the, he was trying to explain the concept of postmodernism. Obviously, <laughs> this is a, a very uni anecdote, but he was like, he was like, okay, so it's kind of like, he was like, you know a Philly cheesesteak? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know a Philly cheesesteak. It was like m- modernity or modernism, whatever, would say to you that the only authentic Philly cheesesteak 
is is one that comes from Philadelphia. Whereas whereas a postmodernist would tell you that a Philly cheesesteak is a Philly cheesesteak regardless of where it's from. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I was like and he was like, and he sort of just repeated the, the anecdote. He repeated the, and I was like, I get the, what I get that, but I don't really see how that pertains to any broader concept. And he, and he, he couldn't explain it beyond that. So obviously he had, he had worked out this sort of pithy little anecdote, but did couldn't, uh, this little analogy, but couldn't actually explain what it was analogizing. And this video is kind of the same thing. If you were watching that, you'd be like, what, what the fuck are you talking about? He should have used one of those Philly cheesesteak spring rolls as the second part of his argument. Mm. Well, that's the, that's the next stage of development after, after postmodernism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I feel like there's a lot of problems with this analogy, uh, as it's put in there. Which, in fairness, uh, they posted this on their Twitter account that I think they basically only made to post this one video on. Uh, they made a, a Twitter account called Google Down Under. And that's fun. And they're using so like the icon or avatar or whatever the fuck for it, the display picture. I think that's what we call those now. Uh, is like a alert triangle, which is what they used. So if like you were in Australia and you went to the Google homepage or the Google app or whatever, it displayed that icon and then a little bit of text saying you know Australia's trying to kill Google or whatever, which made it look like something was wrong with the page. Which yeah, is what yeah, they were going like for, because so. they got an enormous amount of eyes across this, although I think most people just saw it and went, okay. But it also makes it look like the Twitter account is broken in some fashion. You're just like, mm-hmm. oh, it's something, something's gone wrong? What's happening well, there? Well, they, they had this on both just Google. If you went to Google, a big thing came up. Check out um, the website Google. Google. It's new. <laughs> um, and also, I think they, they kind of had it like if you if you made a new tab or something like that, they would come up with like a big thing saying, um, you know, a, a, the Australian government is trying to change the way you use the internet and shoot Google with a gun, <laughs> which I'm um, not sure how accurate it is. So, should, should, we, should we try and get uh, James to explain the actual... The deal here, the Please proposed James, deal, before us. we get into the many, many problems with the bus analogy. Okay, um, sure. So the media bargaining code is sort of the product of a very so for a long time the the government, this current government and, and other ones, but certainly this current government has been making noise about how they want to sort of tackle the big tech companies. When they say big tech, they specifically mean Facebook and Google. Really, um, Facebook and Google, and sort of their various impacts on the Australian market on all sorts of things like, you know, user data and all that kind of stuff. Um, and one of, one kind of core aspect about that is obviously uh, news publishers. So the big news publishers uh, really being Nine and News Corp. And then some of the smaller publishers as well, but certainly those two juggernauts have been, you know, complaining about Facebook and Google for a very, very long time, as have sort of, well, kind of every major media corporation around the world. Because um, over the past, you know, certainly 10 years, uh, they've suddenly come to realize that uh, their entire livelihoods, their entire businesses, blah, 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 all rely in- almost entirely on that traffic that Google and Facebook provide. Um, and they don't particularly like that situation. So they've been lobbying the government forever to do something about it. Uh, and this is essentially the government's way of doing something about it. Uh, so what they've done, the government basically instructed the ACCC, which is the Australian Competition Consumer Commission, which is our, you know, consumer watchdog, uh, to basically draw, draw up a code 
that covers the um, interactions between uh, local news publishers and the international tech companies, uh, so Facebook and Google. Um, basically, what the ACCC did at first and the government did at first was like, we want you guys to talk and hash out a deal um, that will uh, address all the problems that news publishers ha- have, which I- I'll get to talking about. Um and uh, they sort of gave him some time to do that. The news publishers came back and were like, Facebook and Google are not talking to us, um, which, you know, is probably unsurprising. It's kind of like, I guess it's like the the kid who runs the lemonade stall out the front of Bill Gates' house is trying to strike a business deal with him. <laughs> um, it means the power of the state to back him. Um, but so the, the ACCC came back and was like, all right, well, fuck you guys. We're going to... Um, we're going to mandate this. You, you have to sit down and work out a deal. And if you don't work out a deal, um, we will basically force a deal upon you. Um, we will come in and get a, an arbitrator to come in and lay down the law, basically. Um, so uh, the stuff that the news companies have complaints about, uh, there's, a, there's a few of them, um, some of them reasonable, some of them maybe not so reasonable. We'll kind of get into that. But the big one is uh, money, obviously. Um, mm. the, the news publishers argue that Facebook and Google are essentially profiting off news content and not paying the people who have produced the content. They're not paying the big publishers for essentially using their content uh, to make to make money. And then there's lots of other uh, smaller ones, like, for example, that Facebook and Google can change their algorithms overnight and basically destroy uh, news business. Uh, so the news publishers want some transparency and sort of seeing how those uh, function. Uh, and there's, there's a bunch of other uh, smaller complaints um, about the, the interaction. Like, for example, uh, the big news companies complain that Google search turns up sort of aggregated write-arounds of their original reporting more than their actual original reporting. Uh-huh. Um, so there's, there's, if, you look, if you look through this, like the ACCC's preliminary report, it's literally just a laundry list of complaints that news publishers have had for a very, very long time about how Facebook and Google work and how it's been affecting their business. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, and then the ACCC is stepping in and being like, okay, well, you know, if you want to operate in Australia, you have to, um, do so in a way that actually enables competition and isn't just a sort of a, um, enormous monopoly. So you have to come to the table and talk to these news publishers and work out some sort of arrangement. Uh, so that is what the, the code is. Um, and as you can see from the Google response and the Facebook response, which is also happening in parallel, it's a little bit less aggressive than the Google response, but still quite aggressive. Um, they are not particularly happy about uh, having to come to the table on that. Um, and not necessarily because they uh, are angry about how much money they would have to pay Australian publishers. Obviously, they're both very wealthy companies and they could, they could write that off so easily. Um, it's more about the fact that other countries are watching this incredibly closely and being like, well, if Australia can, you know, um, put the boot into Google and Facebook, then we can also do exactly the same thing. And then if, a real country other, could do it. A real, a real country, <laughs> a real consequential country could do something about it. Um, so obviously, so they're, they're going really hard in the Australian market just to, um, why well, knock it down? So they don't want to get up, um, but also to scare other people, other countries from trying the same thing. So that's basically it in summation, uh, what, what it is. So maybe Google's incredible boss analogy, um, is becoming 
uh, clearer to you. They are the bus and the <laughs> restaurants, uh, Australian news publishers. Now, so um, and it understand. would be pretty absurd. It would be pretty absurd for the bus driver to have to pay the restaurants. It would be. Well, can mm. I can I posit perhaps that maybe we can add some complexity uh, to this metaphor that they've given us? So, the, so there's a bus, mm-hmm. right? And the yep. bus is free, uh, and the bus takes you to restaurants. The bus gets to determine which restaurants it takes you to. Uh, due to something completely inscrutable and internal that they will not share with anyone. And there's a small chance that on any given day, the bus could suddenly decide they never, ever want to take you to a restaurant ever again. And these restaurants, which have completely stopped advertising or promoting themselves in any way because they just rely on the bus to bring them people, will suddenly have to fold. But also, while the bus doesn't charge you anything... Uh, the bus also goes through your bag, looks at every single thing in your phone and your wallet, <laughs> and then uses that money uh, to get advertising revenue. Well, this yeah. is this is and what all, gets all, me. All your, fe- all your fellow passengers are racist as well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just a normal Australian bus. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. That's this is what gets me. Like uh, later on in the piece, where uh, comedian Greta Lee Jackson is explaining. Like, uh, she, so for the visual of this part, she's sitting down at a table in the restaurant and she's explaining all the things that, um, that, you know, Google's not getting compensated for out of this deal. The electricity yeah. to run the bus. Well, well, she, when she's sitting at the, at the table, she says, um, she says, you know, and, and then the bus driver isn't getting credit for any of the things that they bring to the table. Um, they're, you know, they're not getting anything for the cost of running the bus. It's like. Well, they are. Otherwise, why would they run the bus? Well, it's why would not. they why be they, driving this bus? Why would they run Google News? Like, like you're saying about third-party advertising and stuff like that. The implication from Google here is that they just run things like you know Google News and aggregators and stuff just to be nice. Out of the kindness they, of their own hearts. It's, yeah, it's, it's this completely altruistic move that they get nothing from. And it costs them all this money to do. And you're very rudely asking them for money? Even though they're paying all this money to bring you the news on a bus? <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. But also towards the beginning uh, when, when she's on the bus and she says, oh, sure, you know, you could, you could walk to the restaurant, but the bus is just more convenient. Why don't you mm. just walk? This well, is a terrible analogy. No one walks to restaurants anymore, which is to say that literally no one types in the URL of a website every day and mm-hmm. looks at that website because that is what these like platforms like Facebook and Google have absolutely changed the landscape completely permanently, that that's just not how people look at things. And like from working at Pedestrian, and obviously you probably still have that problem working at Business Insider, but like if there is even a marginal change to how much traffic uh, the Facebook algorithm or Google will send to your shit, you're fucked. Like, you'll just be like, okay, it's great. You know, we know we get this sort of traffic from doing these sorts of stories pretty consistently, blah, blah, blah. And then one week to the next, you'll be like, oh, shit, okay, well, uh, they don't put these sorts of stories on the newsfeed anymore, so we have lost, you know, 800%. No, that makes no sense. 80%. That makes no sense. (laughs) We have lost 1 million percent of our views. (laughs) The numbers are down. We're having to give away views. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's capricious and it is completely inscrutable, which is kind of like, 
the whole idea of not revealing how your algorithm works is so that people can't game the SEO, but then it's also the only way to make people's business models viable now is to try and do that. Uh, and so, yeah, I think part of that bargaining code stuff was that uh, they want Facebook and Google to have to warn publishers is, yeah. in advance of upcoming changes. It, it's like, I can't remember the exact period, but it's like basically like a month's warning or maybe, maybe like 40 days or something, warning on the thing. And this, I mean, well, we, we can get into all the myriad problems with the code as I see it that isn't necessarily, um, you know, the, the, the areas where Google and Facebook are maybe a little bit right um, is kind of like, uh, as anyone who probably works with software knows, there's not one gigantic algorithm rollout that happens in the distant future that's planned that they, that they can point to and be like, that's that. They're obviously constantly tweaking this stuff and experimenting with stuff and, and doing it. So um, it does sort of belie kind of like a, I don't know about like a necessary lack of understanding, but like a very simple understanding about how this stuff functions, which makes you wonder like, could that actually work? Could Google actually alert or Facebook alert media that like, hey, this specific change is coming where we're going to prioritize this exact kind of story. Mm. Um, and, you know, when they do do big changes, when Facebook does a big change, they do make a big song and dance about it. Like they act, they come out and go like, you know, we're, we're prioritizing posts from your, um, from your friends now. Um, like if, if anyone kind of wades into the, the swamp of Facebook these days, and I, I kind of, Try to avoid doing so. You'll probably notice that say, we cannot really- warn you sternly enough not to do that. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Please don't do this at um, home. You will wind up sounding that- like Ben complaining uh, for the second time this month that they have changed the layout of it. <laughs> it looks so bad. It's real bad. It does, it. it does look pretty bad. Uh, but like, you don't actually see that many posts from publishers on there anymore. Mm. Like, if you see a news story, it's because someone that you know has shared it, generally. Um, and, you know, we can argue forever on why Facebook has done that. I think it's partly because it's like, well, if you're complaining about fake news, we won't show you any news. Well, um, thank you, sir. <laughs> and they've, they've, they've allowed all, like, the psycho stuff to get, you know, um, put off into groups where no one can see them. And they're just, they're just like, festering ISIS terror cells or something out of people's sight. Um, but, yeah, no, so, I mean, that, 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 that's one of the, the issues. But the whole kind of, like, code... And the big one that everyone's talking about, obviously, the seeing the algorithm, tweaking the algorithm, helping news uh, companies appear more on the algorithm is kind of the small potatoes compared to like the meat of it, which is the payments side of thing. That's mm-hmm. the one. That's the thing that Facebook and Google absolutely do not want to spread. They don't want to be in a situation where people feel like they are, um, where you know, governments or news publishers feel like they can eke money out of them um, for displaying their content. And that's kind of like the the thing that where it really starts to fall apart. The other stuff, you know, transparency, um, not letting uh, Google Facebook use their information advantage to kind of crush local publishers makes complete sense. The money side of it, it kind of just like um, lacks an understanding of how people actually use the internet and how these platforms actually work. Um, like their whole thing is about how, you know, nobody would use... Google or Facebook, um, if they didn't have, or a, a large number of people would not use Google or Facebook if these, uh, if this news content wasn't there as an attraction. And I just don't think that's true. <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. And I think it's really easily testable. And I think Facebook and Google, with their threats to like pull Australian content from Google and Facebook, 
a are incredibly willing to test that theory. Um, and I think they're probably right that they wouldn't lose much of their audience at all um, if that stuff went away. Um, no, like I, I have been enjoying um, showing Lucy lately what my Facebook feed looks like because I don't use Facebook. Like yeah, I, I don't, I, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't really used it for years and years. And the only thing that I ever do is like I'll, I'll post some photos of my kids every now and then so that relatives can see them. It has and no idea who you are or what you want from life. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I don't, you know, I'm not like, I'm not members of groups. I don't like look at any news. I don't look at any, anything. So sometimes I'll open it and switch to like, you know, the, um, you know, the tab that, that just gives you like the Facebook TV, the video feed kind of thing. Mm. I'll open that thing up and just let it play. And Lucy is like, what is this? What is this content? And, you are absolutely right in that, like, none of it is... They're, they're not serving somebody in Australia like Australian news. They're just like, here's a lady test driving an electric hot rod. Here's some people... Here's <laughs> some people good. doing... There's there's this kind of video that shows up in my feed all the time, which is like... um, Which is like the sort of thing that used to be a viral, you know, obviously made up news story of like... There was a there was a dad at the supermarket with his little kid and he was buying her a birthday cake, but he didn't have enough money for that and the other groceries. All so right. he said, we have to put your birthday cake back. And the daughter was sad. And then a good Samaritan in the line stood up and said, I'll give you money for the birthday cake. And it's that, except that they've just done a full like filmed reenactment of a moment like this. Oh, I know exactly the kind of video you're talking about. It's so I, I fell into a hole looking at that stuff on YouTube. That's like that's like real black pill shit to me. Yeah, yeah, it's extremely like um, it's it's this weird sort of uh, cyclical thing of these were clearly already moments that didn't exist, and now they've gone all the way to actually like staging them as fictional moments and just filming them from multiple angles with real cameras and hiring bad actors to do them so that they can put them on Facebook and say, "Watch heartwarming moment." As stranger steps up in line to pay for birthday cake. Oh, that's pretty beautiful. He doesn't want to say that. <laughs> but yeah, like if if I go and look as somebody who is just being served stuff who hasn't gone around and said, I want to like all of the pages of Sydney Morning Herald and The Age and The West Australian and all these things. And I specifically want to see more of this in my feed. Facebook is not pushing any of it on you. They're not saying no. we need this to survive because no. the stuff I, I they- remember back in... Back in like 2000 and, you know, 10, 11, 12 was a totally different story. Like, I remember back then I would actually swipe through Facebook and get like a shitload of news stories and I would click on them and read them there. Um, because Facebook, obviously, because they love the engagement, um, was just foisting it on kind of everyone. Um, and then it probably, then obviously it got to a point, coincidentally, after the 2016 election where they were like, oh shit, now this is a political liability. So we're going to maybe, Ease off on the on the on the gas on that one, um, but yeah, it, it's so yes. On the one th- on the one hand, and the one I mean the other the other thing is that obviously Facebook and Google and the way they interact with news sites. Yes, they're both big tech companies, but they operate and interact with news sites in a completely different way. Um, so like lumping them in together for this kind of bargaining kind of thing doesn't quite add up. Um, and, you know, there are reasons for news sites to be worried about Google because, you know, Google, as we've kind of seen, has 
moved away from being like an index of the world's sites and more to like an index of the world's knowledge. So in a perfect world, you cert- you make an inquiry and Google will just give you the answer. They won't actually send you to a site at all. Um, you know, it does that little um, knowledge, what do you call it, a knowledge graph or whatever, yeah, where, yeah. you know, if you search, you know, how many leaders in a mega leader, it'll spit it out at you. And I, I guarantee you that in the skunk works of Google, down in their, like, laboratory where all the slime mutants work on computers or whatever, <laughs> they're, they're, they're trying to work out a way where you could, you could write, you know, uh, what's happened in the news today? And it spits out, like, an algorithmically generated slurry of news content and you can just bypass reading anything. Mm. Um, and you, could, you only go to the New York Times for hot takes or whatever. Um, a horr- horrifying future. Um, <laughs> can, can I just say on... In terms of the the black mirror future of this kind of thing that we're talking about, I came face to face with this on Friday night uh, when uh-huh. I came home from mm. this wedding to find uh, Lucy in the kitchen. Oh, come on! Uh, come drunk, on, man! Drunk and having a verbal <laughs> argument with my Google Home Mini. Uh. I don't like her. Right? And it hardly works. You let let that into your home where your children sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I did. uh, Google got me with that one because I I pay for like um, a lot of Google Drive storage. So I'm like a whatever it is now, Google One. I'm a Google One customer. And they sent sent me an email and were like, hey, thank you for being a customer. Would you like a free Google Home Mini? That's how they get you. That's exactly how they get you. That is how they get you. Sure. And every now and then you see the little lights on it light up when you weren't talking to it. And that's when you're looking right yeah. into the eye of the beast. I like it. And now I understand why boomers are having so many problems. The other day I was like, you know what I want to hear? I just want to listen to Donald Trump by Mac Miller. That's what I'm feeling right now. So I asked Google and then I didn't hear any music and I came back out and in the lounge room there was just like the Tucker Carlson show on the television. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Because she was like, I'll play Donald Trump. Thanks a lot. But Thanks Donald a lot, Trump Google. Talking about Mac Miller on Tucker Carlson. <laughs> I will say yeah. it, it is, you know, horribly invasive uh, and terrifying and will probably end in all of my secrets getting revealed to everyone all the time. But uh, if you're really high in the bath and you've got a Google Home in there, you can just yell at it to play various sleep songs at you. Oh, that's nice. Uh, so, I don't you know. know if you want that in the bath, but. I mean, look, tra- trade offs. Yeah. We all make trade-offs in our life, and that's that's one of them. Yeah, ours is you, that um, yes, we're being constantly surveilled and listened to at all times, so that you subsumed know. to the machine. But, yeah, but you can hear stoner metal songs when you're in the the bath without using your fingers, which is yeah. bliss. Manipulate Spotify, which is great. <laughs> um, but my but my kids, when we serve them lasagna for dinner, Maeve can yell out, "Hey Google, play lasagna" uh, by Weird Al. <laughs> Which she then, she then does her uh, Weird Al lasagna dance while uh, my older daughter gets increasingly upset. <laughs> it's, it's, so now t- it's now turned into a thing where we say we're having lasagna for dinner and Evie turns around and goes, please do not play the song. <laughs> Don't play the yes. song. <laughs> God. Um, Just another thing Google needs to reimburse people for. Yes, yes. I hope they're reimbursing Weird Al and my children. Hi everybody, it's me, it's Theo. Now I guarantee you I'm more afraid of recording this promo than you are of listening to it, so hear me out. 
If you haven't already, maybe check out our Patreon. It's a great way to support the show, and it gives us the ability to actually dedicate time to this thing. You'll get all of our bonus episodes, that's over 300 extra episodes in total, and we'll set up a feed over there with none of these promos, so you won't have to hear this ever again. You'll also get access to our Discord, uh, which honestly has turned into a, a nice and funny place full of mostly normal people to hang out with. So that's patreon.com slash buntavista. Check it out. So yeah, that's uh, the one thing. And the, the other side of the, the, the whole money de- money debate and who gets paid for what and what have you uh, is obviously, you know, the loss in revenue that um, news sites have faced is not is a because of you know subscriptions going down now that there are so many free free places to get news yes uh, but also you know the total collapse of what were once called you know the rivers of gold for um, news publications which was you know the advertising yes and also the classifieds you know um, you could just use Facebook Marketplace now well that's it like you know and you know this this is obviously the case for your big publications like you know the uh, the your news court papers like Daily Telegraph, which used to have, you know, thriving classified sections, but also like your local papers, which have basically been local newspapers have been replaced by, you know, Goulburn Spice by Swap Cell. And also like those pages that are called like Goulburn Secrets when people write <laughs> sl- slanderous rumors about people. That's that those two kind of like genres of Facebook group have replaced local news almost entirely. Yeah, that's real um, local news. I love it. every now and then when there's something in news about a like a court case about somebody who called somebody else a fuckwit on like, Bendigo local local news. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, obviously, I think it's actually um, like the A triple the A triple C is, I think, one of Australia's great institutions that doesn't get shouted out as much as it as much as it could. Um, for all the, for all Australia's kind of like you know um, faults in in certain areas, I'm I'm, I'm understating. Um, there, it's in terms of consumer law and consumer protections are actually pretty good, and the A triple C is pretty like aggressive in policing that stuff. Um, and this is obviously just part of it. You know, Rod Sims, who's kind of the boss of the, who is the boss of the ACCC, is kind of like this, um, wandering Ronan of consumer protections. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and he's incredibly, he's like one of those guys, he always gets profiled in newspapers. He's kind of like, you know, I'm one of those free market dudes who also just hates monopolies and he does whatever he can in his capacity as a public servant to, you know, smash monopolies. Which is cool. We don't see that many of those guys around anymore, especially in like positions of power. Um, so that's cool. And obviously, this is that's his his thinking with this, where it's like you know, Facebook and Google do act as monopolies, so we're going to smash them up and and sort of redistribute some of the spoils of this you know, online ad market or whatever. Um, but again, you know, yes, the big corporations, the big news corporations, have lost classifieds and lost um, advertising. But they've lost it to something that is, you know, uh, as invasive and horrifying and, and terrible as it is, like a quote-unquote better product. Um, you know, uh, whereas in the back in the day, you would you would buy a full page space in the Sydney Morning Herald, advertising whatever product or service you're selling, uh, pitching it at some broad uh, understanding of what a Sydney Morning Herald reader is uh whereas now you can obviously hyper target people based on you know the last time they went to the toilet or whatever <laughs> um yes it's evil um but like 
they they got uh, this is a situation where they got like massively outclassed that can't be clawed back um and this argument isn't even though people are talking about it in terms of you know what about journalism and protecting journalism and protecting news obviously yeah that's that's great and important but it's not really being talked about in those terms it's being talked about in terms of like the bottom line of big news businesses um and like big you know media conglomerates and protecting their um, their slice of the profits and or, or, or whatever. Like, you know, if if the government was really committed to like protecting journalism as some um, massive endeavor, they could, you know, just fund the ABC yeah. <laughs> for one. Mm-hmm. You know, that that news institution that they actually already fund. Um, yeah, they could even set up, you know, a rival conservative ABC um, the, and and pump you know ten billion dollars into that. They're obviously not doing that. Um, and it does feel like less of a, um, you know, protecting journalism more just like helping protect these uh, local very large businesses. In the case of News Corp, not even a local business mm. um, anymore. So, sorry, I, I just rambled on for a while there. But that those are kind of like the some of the, the weaknesses here. Um, but they don't – doesn't and it doesn't quite align with how the average person thinks about how the internet works. Like the, the average person does not feel like they're when they go to Google they're seeing all these all this news content harvested. They see it as what it is, a search engine where they go and look for something that they want to find and click on it and go to the site of that thing. Mm. Um, and this kind of tries to mystify that a little bit too much. Yeah, I think it, it is all a very complicated um, complicated series of of reactions to things because I think like we can all see the really obvious impact that it has had on Australian news organisations to lose all of the funding that they had through yep. forms of advertising. And, of course, they're not blameless in this. I think it's I think it's not unreasonable to say that a lot of Australian media organisations over preceding decades all said, hey, why should we need to change anything? We are absolutely rolling in it from classifieds and real estate advertising and all this sort of stuff and refuse to really update anything about their business models for a long time until they had all had the rug pulled out from under them and then said, oh no, who could have seen this coming? Um, you know, things like Foxtel are a perfect example. All of the all of the absolute dog shit streaming apps that like Channel 10 and 7 and, and Foxtel and everything have because they waited until like 2018 to say, what? Streaming? That's a thing? Mm. So there's all of there's all of that sort of stuff, but I think we've all been able to see the fallout from this, which is, you know, all of the news organisations that have got rid of local news, of rural news, of like um, firing all of their sub editors and and trying to get all of their sub editing done by like three people in a Sydney office. I I feel like now, I feel like now I cannot read a single Australian news story without seeing like at least one glaring error in the copy. Yeah. That, was a, that was a thing that just sort of didn't didn't used to be there, you know? But oh, it's yeah, kinda... that's a total race to the bottom. Um, yeah, and, and, absolutely. And, and like you're saying, it becomes the race to the bottom in the sense that now, you know, both on TV and in and in print, you can see now that it, it is just turning into the whole, like, what is, what is the absolute cheapest form of news that we can produce? We don't want to send anybody out to actually investigate anything. Um, I think one of the most obvious results of that is the the form of 
journalism now, which is that the government does a press release and you take the press release and you put it in the newspaper. Or, or a company does a press release and says, we're releasing a cool new product. And you go, thanks for writing that up for me. And you place it directly into the newspaper as it was provided to you. Um, or yeah, and and all better, of this in turn makes people go, why the fuck would I want to pay for this? There's your favorite kind of article, which is uh, having like a team of 20 19-year-olds working at the Daily Mail scouring mum Facebook groups for posts. <laughs> Love it. This one secret... To doing one one of these was uh, was how to make like a four ingredient Rocky Road that's even better than Rocky Road that you would buy from the store in your slow cooker. <laughs> the Daily Mail article and I read it and the recipe was that you get some blocks of uh, Cadbury Dairy Milk chocolate and you put it into your slow cooker and then you turn it on until the chocolate melts and then you turn it back off again. And then you dump like chopped up marshmallows, red frogs, and something else in there. And then you dump it out onto a, a piece of like baking paper. Like, why did the slow cooker have to be involved in that? It's fine. There's a lot of slow cooker stuff. Slow cooker sure stuff do. goes off. People have a kind of perverse fascination with them. I think there is this kind of concept that you are taking a big magical shortcut around like cooking a <laughs> cooking a meal. I'm sick I of steaming these dim sims. Instead, I'm going to put them in the slow cooker for 12 hours. I mean, all those groups, <laughs> they're so good. <laughs> Everything too- in there is so awful. It's just things that absolutely could have gone in the oven for 20 minutes. <laughs> I like the slow cooker carbonara that... Uh, mm-hmm, they oh, love it. Who posted that on Twitter? But yeah, it's fucking horrifying. Don't do that, please. But, but, but this is like several steps down from you know like uh, originally what you would see on a news story is they would say hey somebody's like lpg cylinder exploded in their backyard and set their house on fire and then they would have the man on the street interview of a neighbor who would say yeah i was just watching tv and then i heard a bang and i went outside and i was like whoa (laughs) um and now we went from that to news stories uh where they would recount something and then they would just put people's facebook comments um, as statements from the public, one user replied, quote... In, yeah, that's true. In, in, in fairness, uh, we've now replaced the need for the to, to read about an LPG cylinder exploding because we could probably go to, you know, Goulburn Buy Swap Cell and see it <laughs> in glorious <laughs> HD for ourselves and make up our own minds about what it looks like. Um, but, yeah, no, it's... And there is an obvious problem... And there is like a huge problem with like Facebook and Google coming in, or especially Facebook in this kind of regard. I don't think Google, again, I don't think Google necessarily plays very much into this kind of thing. Um, but Facebook certainly has like helped obliterate that kind of like uh, low level news reporting and, and, and things like that. Um, the, the kind of the problem is, is whether this mechanism is the right way to do it. Um, and I think it's so easy to sort of punch holes in um, this idea that, uh, New sites need to be reimbursed for Google displaying links um, or displaying snippets of the. Because part of the argument is this snippets of content, like that little two sentence subcell that um, that pops up on Google underneath the headline or whatever, um, or the picture and the headline that comes up in Google News. Uh, I mean, I don't think any reasonable person would be like, you're actually um, making a grand profit by displaying that on Google. Uh, but that's kind of the route that the ACCC have kind of decided to pursue um so yeah i I think that if if you really if the government really wanted to make a stand they could uh yeah like fund public uh journalism initiatives 
they're kind of actually doing some things in the background, like they they chucked five million dollars to the rebooted Australian Associated Press. Um, obviously, that's kind of peanuts, but clearly they're trying to signal that they're they're doing stuff in that kind of space. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just like this feels like the kind of thing where the Google can put this argument, like the bus analogy, as stupid as it is, um, or some kind of more thought through uh, way of doing it and explain it to an average person who would be like, yeah, no, it doesn't make sense um, that, uh, that you'd be, that you'd pay news sites for that. Uh, but yeah, and I think there's also a, a great, I don't think most average people kind of have any fond feelings for any of these companies. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think an average Australian probably doesn't like Facebook and Google very much, but I can't imagine them having warm and fuzzy feelings for nine and news corp or whatever either. Um, so it's just a, a big kind of like irrelevant shit fight to the average person. Well, I, and I think that this is part of the part of the kind of knock-on effect of spending years kind of not actually tending to local markets in any particularly yeah. helpful way of saying like we're going to invest in our own services, we're going to expand, you know, rural coverage or yeah. any of those sorts of things. Um, I think in the vast majority of cases, the the news organisations that we're talking about have seemed seemed to like as soon as they've got to a point where they've said oh our budgets are getting a bit tight i know what we'll do is sack half of our staff like that's that's tends to be the the thing that happens sack a whole lot of copy editors and journalists and close bureaus starting from rural areas and working our way back in yeah and um and i think it's yeah it's not an entirely unreasonable thing for anybody uh in a rural community to say well you know you 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 got out of here the instant that that was a, a viable thing for you or as soon as you could say, well, we don't really want to pay money to cover you guys anymore. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, um, that, that and if, if you look at, you know, actual um, network TV is also a, a very similar landscape in terms of what is the absolute bare bones amount of money that we can pay to put stuff on TV. Let's get Husey into yeah. his 97th show this year. Shout out Oof. to Husey. Love Husey. Dear friend of the show, Husey. <laughs> friend yeah. of the show, Husey. Oh, look, you can't um, blame the man for, for, for yeah. taking the jobs. It's just that they <laughs> happen to all get offered to him. <laughs> He's a, he has a limitless, magnetic charisma. Mm. You, just, you can't look past. Um, but anyway, I guess like the, the big thing now, the next kind of phase for the go just so for, the, for the people playing along at home is that um, uh, what Google and Facebook have actually threatened to do if this goes ahead. Um, and while they're lobbying so hard, uh, Google has basically threatened uh, to, uh, you know, deal it, de- pull. It's been quite vague, but in essence, um, they're they're hanging the threat of pulling these kind of products from the Australian market, which would mean like Google News, you know, search could could change in a dramatic way and not function to the same level in the Australian market. Uh, they keep saying like YouTube is going to look different, even though there's not really anything in the code about YouTube. So all that kind of advertising to international YouTube influencers and stuff about this Australian stuff kind of doesn't make a huge amount of sense. Uh, their kind of rebuttal to that is all oh, the code is so vague that maybe it does include YouTube. Uh, <laughs> it, the, the code is pretty specific that it doesn't. It is pretty specific in what it does and doesn't cover. And, you know, anyway. Uh, and Facebook has threatened basically to stop Australians sharing news on, on Facebook. Um, which, you know, when, when they say that, it's like the fucking world without lawyers scene in, in <laughs> Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But, you know, I don't think that they they are bluffing about this kind of stuff. Um, I think that they actually would do this. And I don't, whether they actually do is up for debate, but I reckon they could absolutely do that. Um, Google, for example, uh, Spain tried this on back in 2014, tried to charge what Google called a link tax, uh, same kind of thing. Google News pay publishers for listing in Google News. Um, and uh, Google was like, well, fuck you guys. Um, and pulled Google News from Spain, and it's still not. It still hasn't been put back in. Uh, and they're, they're making similar noise with some EU stuff around data protection and things like that. Um, so, like, you know, they're, they're more than willing to sort of swing their dicks around and um, pull products or change products or hobble products in the local market. Um, and the ACCC and Rod Sims are kind of like, well, you know, they, or they, they can't do that, um, because it's in the code that they can't do that, which is pretty much like the, you know, airbud dogs can't play basketball kind of rule. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but they really, I think at the end of the day, if they are going to be forced to do it and the, the government does kind of succeed, uh, I think Google and both Google and Facebook would be their ideal situation if that had to happen would be to be forced to do it rather than actually, um, uh, coming to a nice agreement with the publishers because yeah. um, if they get forced to do it, then they can at least go to go out to the rest of the world and be like, you know, um, this was just a crazy authoritarian government down in Australia that did that. Don't get any ideas. This was a aberration rather than oh, we can actually be negotiated with. And then, you know, other countries will be like, well, okay, whatever, whatever figure Australia landed on is kind of our starting point for nego- negotiations to eke some money out. Um, well, yeah, I yeah. think, um, like looking, looking at America over the last several years, particularly of, of Trump being in office, get well soon. Um, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that, Praise up, King. Yes. One of, one of the things that has been the really, uh, persistent refrain around Facebook specifically is their complete unwillingness to actually do any kind of policing of like the validity of news. Um, and so, you know, obviously we've seen the the huge rise in QAnon related stuff, conspiracy theory, pizza gate kind of things. Um, I guess for, for whatever the term means these days, uh, massive like fake news kind of groups, um, a lot of conspiracy sort of stuff, but but basically now it's extremely possible for people. Not only is it possible, but it's a very popular thing to do: is to go and craft yourself a Facebook feed that is exclusively fed by these sources of of just made up stuff. Mm. And, yeah, for sure. And their refrain over and over again has been to try and remove themselves from the equation and say, "We don't want to be the arbiters of truth." We don't want to be the person who's saying what's true or what's not. And I think from their point of view, if they were to get an ultimatum from the government that's pay us for pay us for news or don't put it on there, I can see why they would be happy to say, cool, no more news. Yeah. Like, no, yeah, exactly. And to that point also, it's kind of like and other people have kind of put the question to Facebook and they've been very vague about it when they were like, all right, well, if you're going to stop Australians from sharing news, what do you actually mean by that? Do you mean they can't share Daily Telegraph articles, but they can still share like links from some Romanian hydroxychloroquine blog or whatever. Um, or does it mean they can't share links to anything? Like what counts as news? Um, uh, like are you just going to use it as a stick to punish the, the companies that tried to go you over this? Or is it actually going to be a broader remit? Like, you know, Facebook can do whatever the hell they want, you know, 
they're kind of like a low-level global psychosis machine. They can do what they want in that mm-hmm. kind of regard. But it's it's also, yeah, not not clear. Um, but it, it is telling that, you know, when they wanted to get that news out about the stopping Australians from sharing news, uh, they didn't leak it to any Australian publication. You know, they went straight to the New York Times with it. Um, and the New York Times ran the story first. I think it's... I think Mike Isaac listens to this podcast, so I think that was one of his stories. So, hi, Mike. Um, saying that, you know, Australia, Facebook might stop Australians from sharing news, which was obviously like a, a veiled threat to America and the rest of the world. Like, you know, if you fuck around, fuck around and find out, basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's interesting. It's got like, you know, global, possible global consequences, what's going on down here. And I just uh, kind of hope that the... ACCC kind of knows what they're doing. Just imagining I'm, uh, Mark... I'm not convinced they do. Imagining Mark Zuckerberg's blank face saying, fuck around and find out. Oh. Badass. What a weird... <laughs> what a weird looking Strange guy man. is. Strange man, yeah. Now, time to do my 10-minute rant about Mark Zuckerberg's haircut. <laughs> the, First the money. What the fuck? The Caesar, the tight Caesar, Caesar little waves. Why waves. does he have that? I mean, I know why, that? but he shouldn't. I think it's an awesome power play to just... It's an awesome power play to have more money than anyone on the planet and just look like just shit. Just look like shit all the time. <laughs> it's, uh, is it kind of like the um, 1980s uh, wearing an ugly tie on purpose power move kind of thing? <laughs> I mean, yeah, here the, here the, I am and you got to look at me. The photo that came like that, the photo that came out in with like the... Um, sunscreen slathered over his face, looking like uh, the ghost of the ghost of a Victorian child who was windsurfing or whatever. <laughs> like there was that story that came out last week. It was like a leak from um, one of their internal town halls or whatever. And like Mark Zuckerberg's response was like, "Well, I think sunscreen's very important. I make no apologies for that." Or <laughs> He's right, but he shouldn't say it. <laughs> he shouldn't say it. Yeah, you know. Um, Ben, hey. Do you think that we, we have enough time to do the Nature Corner? Because I desperately want to talk about it. Uh, I don't know which Nature Corner you're referring to because there are like seven in there, but I absolutely think we should do it regardless. Well, in that case, it's time for Nature Corner. Country roads, take me home to the Simply hate to have my dick snipped by a robber crab. And it's happened more times than you'd think. <laughs> okay. Now, this, uh, I, I had sort of seen Ben put this into the notes earlier, but I hadn't really read all the way into it. And as soon as I did, I started hooting and hollering <laughs> in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So, this is from a Brooklyn paper. Is that really the name of the publication? That is, yes. It's not the Brooklyn paper. It is Brooklyn paper. This makes me think of like the uh, of the merchandise in the store in Repo Man. You know, <laughs> just where it's store. like beer, milk. Beer. Yeah, yeah. Brooklyn paper. Uh, they have chosen to go with the headline: R eel e weird. So mm-hmm. t- two two hyphens they've put in there for r- e- just so you're really sure what you're hearing. R- eely weird. Mystery man spotted dumping eels into Prospect Park Lake. Excuse me? 
And you know what the worst thing about the pun they've tried to put in that headline is that mm-hmm. they immediately reuse exactly the same part of the first line of the story. <laughs> We've got a bad foot eel-ing about this. <laughs> mm. Come on. A mystery man was seen dumping over 100 live squirming eels into the Prospect Park Lake on Sunday night. (laughs) (sighs) Over 100. (laughs) At least, at least 100. That's a hell of a number. Parkgoers say they witnessed the man dragging two large trash bags through the park (laughs) near the Vanderbilt Street entrance around 7.30pm when one of the bags split open and its greasy contents spilled out onto the (laughs) wall. I don't know if I would call an eel greasy. To me, grease is more sort of oily, whereas I think of uh, eels as being slimy. Slippery. Slimy or slick, mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, same way the dolphins look like they should be uh, very smooth. Well, maybe they were just greasy. Like, maybe these specific eels <laughs> had greasy just been eels. In, a, in, a big, in a big vat of grease. That's true, actually. That might well be the case. Uh, one of them split open and all these eels were on the ground, said Prospect Leffert's Garden resident Andrew Orkin, who witnessed the incident after a jog. They were fully alive. <laughs> Wriggling. <laughs> fully alive. Like they Not were living alive. life to the fullest. <laughs> They're just fully alive. They were so present in the moment, you know. <laughs> uh, witnesses say the mystery man, who was dressed in white clothes that resembled a cook's uniform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The mystery deepens, really. Uh, Began to dump the eels into the lake while confused onlookers questioned him. Uh, It's it's such a... Like, they've got the specificity here of saying white clothes that resemble a cook's uniform. He's not in a cook's uniform. They can't categorically say that. The implication here of just being like, he might be a chef. Maybe. He looks a little bit like a chef, but he can't be certain. I feel like people should be open to any leads on this thing that that are out there, you know? Some, like, Sherlock Holmesian deductive reasoning. Yeah. Perhaps it was a uh, time-travelling member of NSYNC from 1998 wearing all white. Because mm. who else wears all white Possible. except for a chef? <laughs> Although she- I feel like chefs are usually wearing the black and white check pants, you know? That's true. They love those. Mm. Why? I, I don't know. Jeez. Should have done your research. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> no exaggeration. It had to be at least 100 eels, <laughs> said fisherman Dominic Pabone. <sighs> In a video, it had to be at least 100 eels. That's <laughs> Could not have been 98 eels. I would know what 98 eels looks like. Uh, imagine you What's go to the, the pub. What's the end game of this, of this, this eel Caper, do we think? Oh, it. Like, what was this guy hoping to achieve? There are motivations are explained um, mm-hmm. very shortly. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, it, I'll proceed, please. In a video taken by Pabone, the man can be heard saying that he bought the eels from a store and is, quote, <laughs> rescuing them as he dumps them into the lake. Oh, okay. Oh, that's, that's Animal good. vigilante. I just want to save their lives, he shouts. <laughs> You are killing other life here. Eels are not supposed to be here, Pabone yells back. <laughs> hey, you're fucking you're fucking up the ecosystem over here. What kind of what kind of ecosystem are we imagining there really is in the Prospect Park Lake? Yeah, Brooklyn? I was gonna say Middle of New York City. You're killing the mutant crabs. <laughs> All of our blind sewer alligators will be fucked yeah. up by this. 
You're killing our disgusting, hairless aquatic rats. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Uh, witnesses called the police, but the man had disappeared by the time authorities arrived. Back into the night from whence he came. Uh, Pabone... Was crime. <laughs> if it wasn't just film, filmed by that fisherman. Yeah. He's, he's off to find some more eels to rescue. Uh, Pabone, a Sunset Park resident who has been fishing in the park for 13 years, says that the eels look similar to ones he's seen in seafood markets and were likely saltwater eels as some of them attempted to free themselves from the freshwater lake. Oh, no. Mm. They were trying to swim back out of the lake. It was crazy, he said. It's crazy. (laughs) Releasing animals into the park is illegal and dangerous, according to the Prospect Park Alliance, the stewards of the Brooklyn's backyard. The steward of Prospect Park. Quote, it is a hazard to both those animals and the plants and wildlife that call the park home, said Alliance spokesperson Deborah Kirshner. The park waterways and natural areas are fragile habitats, and this can disrupt these naturally occurring systems, introducing disease and other pathogens, which can be harmful. Uh, according I don't think to there are any natural systems in New York. Yes. No. <laughs> it seems very weird that this is like a lake in Brooklyn that people are fishing in. Like, every now and then I'll see someone, like, fishing in the Brisbane River, and I'll be like, my dude, the only thing you're getting is like the three-eyed Simpsons fish or a bull shark. <laughs> Mercury poisoning. Yeah. <laughs> please, please don't do that. This is not a good idea. Yeah, the bacteria yeah. from the eels causes the breakdown of the used condoms that the fish survive on. <laughs> just, I, feel, I feel like New York is just a, it's just a write-off for like any sort of natural system or life on the planet. Like, let's focus elsewhere. <laughs> Let's put our energy to something yeah, that can sustain life. Let's put our energy life. into the Amazon. I don't think New York City is is something that we should be focused on environmentally. Maybe just look at the fish in like upstate New York. Don't don't worry so much about what's going on down here. <laughs> exactly. Only so many hours in the day. <laughs> Uh, according to Riverkeeper, fines for illegal dumping in waterways range from $1,500 to $10,000 for the first violation and not less than $5,000 or more than $20,000 for each subsequent violation. Now, we have to ask, is this a per eel fine? <laughs> or do you cop the I reckon, fine? I reckon an, an upstart New York prosecutor could make it about each eel. <laughs> about each eel. Otherwise, you know, you're opening the door to, if it's only per, per single instance of dumping, no matter how many eels, then it's like, why not just drive a, drive a truck full of the eels down there? Stockpile your know? eels that you plan it's to like, dump? It's like, it's like a, a, a prosecutor who went after, like, the Lachesi crime mob. is like, we're pulling it on every eel. <laughs> <laughs> we're going after every eel on this one. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, um, this isn't the first time a non-native species has been introduced to the lake. Oh. Big shock there. Um, the abundant red-eared slider turtles seen in almost every corner of the lake are an invasive species introduced to the city by the pet trade. And Pabone says other illicit fish and eels have been dumped and are disrupting the ecology of the waterway. It's destroying the whole ecosystem, he said. The fishing has been getting slower and slower. <laughs> Maybe stop fishing in, in the, the lake of Brooklyn. in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> the fishing there is like, not so good now. <laughs> you know, New York is a melting pot of cultures. So I don't see why that should be the case for its biosphere. And it's like... To... I'm just imagining... There's just, like... just a great white shark circling down the bottom there. <laughs> I'm just imagining, uh, like, diving diving in to help these poor saltwater eels as they struggle and coming back up looking like the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> looking, looking like the guy in uh, Robocop who gets the toxic waste sprayed over him. I saved, I saved these freaking eels. Yeah. 
please take me to the hospital. And then a garbage truck hits me, disintegrating me all over the streets. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, thank you very much for joining us, Anna. No worries. Always um, a pleasure. And I guess we'll all just spend the rest of the week um, manifesting positive energies to Donald Trump. You know? mm, Correct. That's what I'm always doing, just daily. Just a, a vision board that's all just pictures of Donald Trump in a hospital bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. A vision board with headstones and open graves on it, you know. Does it, do you have to try and manifest something positive or... No, no one I, says you have to. Well, I think what? the whole thing about the secret is they're also telling you to actively avoid negative thoughts because you will make that happen to you as well. So, oh. seemingly you can use this power bi-directionally. You can, you know... I'm just going to be more negative in my life and hope that this manifests itself in, you know, uh, Trump being unable to breathe and then dying. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, or whatever. Have, That's just well, an example. That's a random random example of a sort of thought that you could have. I think you could absolutely make the case that it would be a net positive for the world. But are you saying that are you saying that uh, the secret is a real double-edged sword, you know? The secret is a real double-edged sword, and that's that's the catch with the secret. That's well, it's that a great power, power, and you have to be careful about how you wield it. That's yeah. so true. Hmm. I think that's in the book. I've never read it. <laughs> I think, Ben, I would still like to watch the movie with you that the book The Secret is based on. Oh, I, I definitely, you know, I saw it when I was 17 and I'll watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool to me that it's not even just a book. <laughs> and also, it's an Australian woman, right? I keep forgetting that. It's like yeah, Ron- it is. Ronda something. Ronda- oh, is it? Ronda Birchmore. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not Ronda Birchmore. <laughs> Apologies to friend of the show, Rhonda Birchmont. Yeah. Sorry, says. <laughs> All right. That's it, everybody. Uh, thanks very much, and we'll, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.